Hello and welcome to another episode of the Cross-Curricular Dance Teacher with me, Maria Craig Gibson. In this episode, I have invited Adelita and Erica to join me to talk about Hispanic Heritage Month, which occurs September 15th through October 15th. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, y'all. Hi. Hello. I'm back at Erica's house. Yay. <laughs> this is the spot where it seems to happen. Yeah. Erica's house. Erica's house is where we, we do fun yet productive things. Mm-hmm. All the time. Yeah. So Erica, you've been on the podcast before. Can you remind us who you are? Yes. Hello, everybody. It's me again, Erica Vasquez. I am a 9th or 12th dance educator at Class and School of Advanced Studies at Northeast High School. We are the Visual and Performing Arts School. I am a Mexican-American lady, mother of two, wife to Erin. Hey, if you're out there listening. <laughs> um, I'm sure your husband definitely listens to my podcast. He listened to the last one I was in. <gasps> Yay! So Thank you, Erin. He is interested. Yay. Um, shout out to Camila Pennington-Cook, because she also listens. Oh, nice. Yes, Camila. And so I have, there are two of us at the high school level, and we teach dance, mo- focus on modern and ballet dance. And I get to have a flamenco class there. And uh, yeah, that's me. Very nice. And then we brought in Adelita. Adelita, Adelita, Adelita. <laughs> yes. Yes. Tell us everything that you want us to know. Oh, okay. Everything. Here we go. I'm going to try. <laughs> um, I am Adelita Dixon Hernandez. I am a dance teacher, dance educator at Capitol Hill High School on the South Side, 9th through 12th. I am one of the directors there. We have two, Stormy Looney, who I believe also listens to the podcast. Oh, thank you, Stormy. Hi, Ms. Looney, if you're listening. And we focus on all forms and styles of dance from the very beginning level and sometimes just being comfortable in movement itself. Most of our students have not had any formal training at Capitol Hill. Um, We have two phenomenal programs there. Well, our dance program, I feel, is phenomenal. But we have the Academy of Arts, which was actually founded by Erica Vasquez over here. Mm -hmm. And then we have our Dance Diversity Company. Yeah. and Who was founded by? Who was founded by me. Yes. Um, And I am also a mother of two. I have a teenager and a five-year-old. So they are 10 years apart. Sounds like a party. Yeah, it's a party for sure. I am a wife to my husband, Marcos Hernandez. Yeah, I'm also a, um, I am the Mexican Folklorico dance teacher at Everything Goes Dance Studio. That's me. Can you tell us how you met your husband? Yes, I can tell you how I met my husband. Um, I was in a Mexican folklorico group named Norawa. Um, Many of you have probably seen them perform um, here locally and probably all around. They're everywhere. And my husband also was a dancer in that group and was my dance partner. Not by choice. Love you, Marcos. (laughs) I didn't know that part. (laughs) You know how dance teachers are. They just pair you up who you who they need you to be with. And we were not fond of each other at first. We were not. 
I know, I know. But you know what? Um, yeah, going through all the things dance partners go through together, we just got we we got closer and closer. Started to learn about each other. You know, we're doing all the things, performing together and practicing together and late night making costumes and. So it was just like, okay, this there's there's some more to this guy. Okay, I think I think he's kind of cool, and we just started clicking. It took some years though. So I actually learned from you that what we know as the Mexican hat dance, the dance from the state Jalisco, yes, is a marriage proposal. Yes. Did y'all Jalisco your proposal? <laughs> so we never Jaliscoed our proposal. <laughs> But technically, we were in probably over 100 performances where that happened with us together. So, you know. I'll so basically, you were I'll like take, saying yes. I was saying yes. <laughs> you know, I mean, for the storyline, I was saying yes. You know, but we did actually do some wedding photos in those traditional costumes. That's so, so magical. It was magical. Aww. Yeah. Anything yeah. else My you guys would like smooth. to share? Yes. Obviously, is he pretty. probably had that plan the whole time. Oh. Mm, maybe so. He is pretty smooth. I don't give him a lot of credit. Erica's right. Huh. Yeah, he is. I've never <laughs> actually met Marcos. I just know of him. Like I hear stories of him all the time. Oh, it's time, Maria. Yeah, yeah. It's time we, yeah we have to I once over. ate his very spicy salsa. Was, okay. Yes, I will tell you. He his his hidden art form talent. He is a cook. One thousand. He loves to cook. So, is he a Taurus? He is not. Oh, okay. He is a Libra. Oh, he's still making the world beautiful. It's mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Is there anything else you would like to share? I think that was a great I've known answer. Er- I've known Erica a long oh, time. Yeah, we've known each other for a very long time. There's there is a history, a little storyline between Erica and I. So you didn't meet during student teaching? Oh no. Oh no. So. Erica and I come from a long line of Hispanic Latino movers and doers here is what I'm going to say in Oklahoma. Family members, mm-hmm. you know, her grandpa, Grandpa George, yes. Ochoa. and my mom, Esperanza Alvarez, connected up many years ago through all of the different things that they were involved in with the Hispanic community. Mm-hmm. Um, and helping the Hispanic community move forward and grow. Um, My mom was one of the very first directors of the bilingual program for the Oklahoma City Public Schools. Wow. Yes. And she also helped get Norawa off the ground and Jaime Fuentes, the director of Norawa, up and running. That's incredible. And so many uh, many of their ventures, I would say, met up, right? Mm-hmm. Because your grandpa had the, was it the first, Erica, Mexican radio station? Yes. Or one? So my grandpa had the first Spanish-speaking radio station yes. in Oklahoma. And then he also had the first Spanish films being played movie theater in Oklahoma in the um, Capitol Hill area. And he also had a restaurant there of Mexican food restaurant and all four of the kids my mom Shannon Mark and Ernie would work at all these places after school my grandma Shirley and they kind of did this family Mm -hmm. ran things so he did a lot Um, and so through my mom's ventures in 
getting, you know, the Hispanic community and students at OKCPS kind of acclimated to what was available to them Mm -hmm. here in Oklahoma and getting the word out there. And she would, you know, meet up with Jorge and and the family and they would connect and, and, you know, a lot of community, a lot outreach. of community outreach. Kind Thank of what you. What we learn to do mm-hmm. with why we do what we do now, right? Is just how important community was in bringing groups of people together. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, my grandfather also owned the, the movie theater that is now the Lyric Theater in the Plaza District. Yes, oh. and uh, the city bought that building from him because he fell very ill, could not handle it. And uh, the Lyric purchased it from the city, and it became the Lyric. And that really was a huge turnover for the plaza, a really great move. And so... We were around them when these things were happening. Yeah. We didn't, you know, really connect the dots until later. It was like, oh, yeah, I know your mom. I know your mom. Oh, I know your grandpa. Oh, yeah. Well, then um, we performed my at the Everything Goes Dance Studio Flamenco Company performed at Adelita and Marcos's wedding mm-hmm. oh. as entertainment. And Marcos and I, before we were even married, I think wasn't it? Was it my partner? Was Marcos? You were married. I think. No. Because if I was fifteen, a, you were twenty-five. Um, no, we weren't married oh, yet. Okay. Almost Just one kidding. year away. One year away. One year away. We performed at her quinceanera. That's my entertainment. Uh huh. Oh wow! I know. Crazy. That's incredible. So this entire time, I just thought you were magical unicorns, <laughs> which yes, you are. But also, you are literally living the legacy that was put in front of you, right? Yes. Between and it your is, mother, it is kind of a magical unicorn moment in that we kept having these passings of doing things with our families together. But we weren't connected in that way. Mm. I just knew what family she came from, and she knew what family I came Mm -hmm. from. And through the elders of the family, we were a part of whatever community outreach or whatever they needed us to do. Mm -hmm. And that's how we crossed paths. And then I think the connection happened more. Erica really called me. She called me several times. I'm glad she did. I was just, you know, doing my thing, staying busy as a teacher. Barely had started the program at Capitol Hill. And she was like, hey, do you remember me? I'm, I don't know if you know me. I know. I'm Erica Reyes. And I'm going to be your student teacher. Do you remember me? And I was like, oh, my gosh, yes. And so then a different kind of magical, you know, moment connection started happening. Growth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was so jealous. I'm not <laughs> even going to lie. I was, I was like, why does... Erica, get to live this magical career. <laughs> but in that was, you know, young Maria. Yeah, yeah no, you know, totally. And I'm so happy for you, Erica. Yeah. And we also... Had history. Yes. Yeah. And also, like, from the outside, I get to witness the magic that you guys make. And I get to just celebrate and be grateful for the gifts you bestow on society whether it's your children or your talents or your existence whatever your the room that you're in you just are like making the world a better place but likewise for you you teach us yeah thank you you teach us to be calm (laughs) 
and she think things in different ways. Well, and really, maybe you don't know this, Maria, but you teach me to take risks. Oh. And I don't even know if you look at what you do Not as even a risk taker. Risk, risk you are a risk taker. But you know, as a Hispanic woman, and I've had to kind of dig deeper on this for myself, sometimes fear is embedded in me yeah. to stay safe. Right. Mm-hmm. Stay quiet. Stay safe. Mm-hmm. Don't make a ruckus. You know, the privileges we have, we don't want those taken away. Right. And so when I saw another and still see another ethnic woman mm-hmm. and you're just going for it, mm-hmm. I'm just like, wow, it's so. And being successful. Yes. Well, that's really sweet of you. Yeah. Thank you. And I'm like. By I'm yourself. Like, yeah. That's why I was jealous. I was like, I wish I had a partner to evolve with, you know. That's why I do this. I just force everyone to sit down and talk to me. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so that's our history? Yeah, that's yeah. a beautiful history. Thank you so much for sharing. I had no idea. I just don't think you... anybody really, I think that's maybe the first time I've ever, we've ever opened up about that. Oh, yeah. see, this is a podcast exclusive? Dang. I think so. Dang. So that's why we're so close, y'all, in the meetings, okay? We just know each other. <laughs> yeah. It's beautiful. What does your Hispanic Heritage Month look like? Given everything that you already grew up doing now, like, what does this month look like to you? Like, what does your schedule look like? Busy. (laughs) Busy. But it's so fantastic. Busy. You know, I know we're, like, overwhelmed. But to be recognized and for a class in, you know, this is a new a new stepping stone for our school. Uh, when I went to class in, we really get the opportunities to do community outreach that wasn't a part of our program. I did that through my dance studio with my aunt Shannon. That's how I learned to do this. So as a class in student, I never even thought to do something like this. Uh, so when I became, I had the opportunity to take a position there. I knew that that's what they needed. We needed to do community outreach. And it started with Hispanic Month because this is, you know, for our school year, this is the closest one that we have first. Yeah. And the kids were really surprised at first, but I said, you guys, we're going to try to do these shows outside of school, like on concrete, Mm -hmm. like outside. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they were just bug-eyed. They were like, what? Where's the Marley? Yeah, like, what are you talking about? Like, where's the mirrors? Like, what? What are you saying right now? For free. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, there's no tickets? Like, no tickets? No, no. You know, after last year and after, you know, being done with COVID and all that, I think that really boosted their confidence that what they needed. And then they really appreciated other cultures and seeing audience members from all walks of life, babies to, you know, elderly people and everyone in the middle and just seeing their faces be lit up with what class and what they had to offer people. And that was a, that was a really new thing for them. But, and I think, I think off on that, ours looks very much the same. Uh Um, in the classroom, in my family, in my home life, with my, with my children, um, with my students at Capitol Hill, with my students at everything goes busy, but so, it looks like for me collectively with all of those things I just said, family and school life, teaching life, 
it's storytelling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot of storytelling in that where, where do we come from? Mm -hmm. Where does that start? Who are we? Where are your roots? Do you, do you even know? A lot of times in the classroom, I'll say, where's your mom and dad from? And now we have many Guatemalans, you know, just Hispanic, Latinx, Mm-hmm. You know, not just Mexicans. So I recently uh, had a student from Honduras. Honduras, mm-hmm. thank you, mm-hmm. thank you. That's that's what too. We have yes, and I'm like, where is your mom and dad from? Oh, they're from here. Okay, where's grandma and grandpa from? Um, Mexico. Okay, where in Mexico? I don't know. Mm. Okay. Go home. You know what? Everybody has homework tonight. And if if you're not, you know, Latin or Hispanic, that's okay. Ask. You know, who who is the person in your family that can tell you a story about your great-grandparents or your grandma? Because for me, that's what I was taught in my home. And I think that that's why my mother got me into Mexican folklorico dance. She didn't want me to lose the stories, mm-hmm. you know, what the stories were, why they're there, um, what they're connected to. And so I think for me, it starts with stories. And then those stories start turning into, you know, teaching um, based off sometimes their individual stories. Mm-hmm. And then I'm I'm blessed that my mother did put me in in folklorico dance and I'm able to connect some of the roots or some of the stories they talk to to the art form. Yeah. And uh, from there if I have students, you know, from Honduras, um, you know, they'll tell me, "Oh, that's very similar to this." Wow, that sounds connected to our story and this is our folk story. You know, and then from there it's like, "Okay, how are we going to bring this to the community? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think really that's exactly, I know, not I think, I know that's exactly where I started with the students at Capitol Hill. And I didn't understand it at the time, but, you know, it was what I knew. Like Erica said, that's what our parents did and our grandparents did. Yeah. It started with community. Communi- when you're together, you tell these stories, those stories get passed on from generation to generation you feel connection Mm -hmm. um and community and then now how can we take that and 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 go with it in our community here in oklahoma yeah so do you feel like your schedule slows down outside of hispanic heritage month or does it start with hispanic heritage month being this like big burst of energy and then you just continue running through the rest of the school year i think it slows down i think it slows down yeah um but i do want to piggy off piggyback off of what alita said real quick about the generational storytelling because mm-hmm. you know for for me i just told a story to my students tuesday about there's this dance that we call firestorm mm-hmm. and it's I don't understand how it's become like this craze of a piece. I don't understand how it became so popular. I don't, but I think 
you know, my aunt Shannon had taught us this dance myself when I was eight, nine, and it just kind of went through the generations. My sister, little sister, her group of friends learned it and all the little groups in between. And now they're grown, now they're adults and just random kids at the studio will be chosen for that dance. But at Classen, since the administrators were so amazing to let me have a flamenco class, um, the kids, uh, they like ask for it. They wonder, are we gonna learn Firestorm? And I was like, well, I was planning on not teaching that every year. And they're like, <gasps> why? Oh, and some of them are like, that's why I joined this class. Like, I need to learn Firestorm. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, why? And so I was like, doesn't that seem boring to learn the same dance? Like, and some of them. But it's connected to a story. Exactly. And it's that connected. story fires up something inside of them. Mm-hmm. All of them. It's a different kind of connection. Oh. And I really think that these stories, in, you know, as we're talking about Hispanic Heritage Month, that's the root of it. That's mm-hmm. the root of our culture yeah and when i told them what firestorm means to me as a human mm-hmm. to my family um that i get to just be super close to my aunt yeah. whenever that when i hear the music when we're running it every time and you know the kids really took that and put it into even all kids of all backgrounds are in that class all of mm-hmm. them and they performed it after that story with so much more Fuerza was so much more power, and I just like, oh, it gave me like goosies. And I was like, oh my goodness, like, <laughs> the guys, that just so powerful to that you, mm-hmm. you know, and it just builds that classroom community, it builds that sense of belonging. They feel like they're a part of my family, and it's yeah. just like, I don't know how this came about, and it's only <laughs> September, right? Yeah, and I don't know half these kids in this class. And it's just... Um, I feel so emotional. I know. <laughs> and story. then here goes, here goes the story. Is that I have a son that is in that class. Hmm. And a year ago, he comes home. He knows nothing about Firestorm. I do. Because uh-huh. with our family connection, right. when I was performing in Norawa, and Shannon would bring her flamenco dancers, and we were performing in the same spots during Hispanic Heritage mm-hmm. Month. I would watch them dance Firestorm. I've seen Mm. Shannon dance Firestorm. I saw Erica when she was younger dancing Firestorm. And my son comes home and says, Mom, we learned this dance. You've got to see it. You've got to like, and tells me the whole story. And I was like, let me tell you something about that story, Colton. It's really amazing. Do you know the lady Shannon Calderon that she told you about? I know her. And let me tell you how she's connected to your family in ways that you didn't even know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another story. Mm-hmm. Right. Another connection made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. At the, and at the Calderon Dance Festival, kids from generations came together. Class and kids in the studio and performed with Edgar Cruz and, um, you know, Ruben Romero, who, who also composed that song. He, he also passed away. And um, so it definitely has a double meaning for me. Uh, of just love and remembering legacies, but it was just magical, uh, magical moment at that dance festival. I think it was extremely powerful to watch generationals. I remember mm-hmm. we all cried. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Boo-hoo. Yeah, we boo-hoo. all really- hooed. Okay. Yeah. 
Boom. standing in the middle of the bus. Can you imagine in five years how many people are going to know Firestorm? Alita, <laughs> yeah. it's time to learn it. Okay, like you guys got to learn well, it. Well, and then it's <laughs> sharing. It's sharing it with the community. Yeah. yeah. Which was what was also really am- amazing and, and had that community familia feel yeah. at that festival. Yeah. Was that, it was everybody from every walk of life Mm-hmm. learning that story, knowing, you know, feeling it, witnessing it, you know, the Mexican folklorico dancers going, mm-hmm. oh, wow, we want to, you know, and, and flamenco dancers wanting to learn folklorico mm-hmm. dances and hip hop dancers wanting to learn, you know, all kinds. Yeah. Whatever was on the other side of the street. They were there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was just like, okay. And so I think Hispanic Heritage Month looks like for me is that the stories of anyone's background is really important. Mm -hmm. It's important to know where you come from Mm -hmm. so that you have a connection so that you start walking in, in, you know, in a path where you're like, okay, I feel con- I feel connected to something now, mm-hmm. and I'll tell you who did that for me first, and that was Jamie Jacobson. Mm-hmm. Yep, Jamie Jacobson did that for me first when I was um, a dance major at UCO, and I did make Kaleidoscope. Um, and she approached me and she said, "You know, we do these traveling, these little traveling shows here and there, you know, for elementaries or for whatever festival. Mm-hmm. And what do you think about?" showing one of your folklorical pieces. And I was like, what? Mm, are you sure? Mm-hmm. I mean, that was my answer. Are you Why? sure? Why did you question? Because it was different. Mm-hmm. And people might not accept it. Mm-hmm. And would they relate? <laughs> I got another napkin. Would they relate to it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or would they make fun of it? Would they make fun of it? You're vulnerable. Would my yeah. would my company members understand why I was wearing a big, huge headpiece on my head? Mm-hmm. And I know all the stories behind it, but they don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how are they going to react to it? Will I still be a company member after they see me come out in this traditional costume? Mm-hmm. That's not a leotard and tights. Mm-hmm. Right. Making crazy noises. Yeah. During the dance. Right. And so I did it. I was I was a little hesitant. And she, she told me, she said, if you don't feel comfortable, uh, she said, but I really feel like this is important. Mm-hmm. I want you to share this with people. I want this to be shared. So I did it. And I decided, I, I decided in that moment, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it with all of my ganas, mm-hmm. all of the fuerza. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what made me decide that. But I did, and I did, and it just blew up. Yeah. I mean, people were asking questions about the costume, about was there any special significance? Mm -hmm. What was there a meaning behind the dance? Um, Why do I wear that big hair piece? And then Jamie, gosh, I don't even realize now that she did all this for me. Thank you for having me on the podcast. So I can. <laughs> this is why I love having. She would, <laughs> she would say. Conversation. Um, 
Adelita, will you come up here and tell us a little bit about a history about the the piece that you're fixing to perform or tell us mm-hmm. the story behind it or give us um, some feed, you know, tell us something about the costume and she would open it up sometimes to the audience members quickly, especially if we were doing like a school mm-hmm. for questions. And um, yeah, and that's when it just really all fused together for me. And that's crazy because you opened that door. Like you and your special talents opened that door because I got to walk through that same door because once you showed her that it was such a success, 10 years later, here I auditioned for UCO and we did solos mm-hmm. and I did a flamenco solo mm-hmm. for my college auditions. And I was very hesitant. The same exact feelings. I can totally relate to, oh my gosh, are they going to think I'm crazy? Like, oh, this girl, she doesn't have any good, like, she's just trying to cover up technique. You mm-hmm. know, she's yes, whatever. That's another one. And, um, and they totally embraced it. You know, Jamie and the UCO dance faculty, I got to, same, same story, kaleidoscope, perform flamenco solo, um, got to go to Mexico and meet my family for the first time and they hung out with us and Jamie completely embraced my you know culture and even a culture that which is a whole nother story a culture that I thought I was never truly a part of being Mm -hmm. a flamenco dancer yes um which to come to find out we do have Spanish blood in our family which was totally just weight lifted off my shoulders of like, cause I know I felt, I was like, I know I feel something when I dance flamenco. I know I feel something yeah. like special. And so, so sorry, dad, he always wanted me to do folklorico, but I never got into it. But Jamie totally embraced the flamenco and allowed me to share that with people and do the talks with the audience members and um, perform in the UCO kaleidoscope shows. And, you know, what an honor. And we'll be teaching at ACDFA, yes, our different classes of that. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. So, I just... think what she what she understood was very important. That it was important to realize who she had there at the university, mm-hmm. and what they had to offer. Their culture only brought more to her program. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it added to her program. Absolutely. And I had never experienced that before never in my life that that much you know openness Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. to to be who I was Mm -hmm. that's what it was to be who I was and then from that moment on I took it and I was a better dancer in all of my technical classes Mm -hmm. at UCO that's beautiful yeah yeah I think that that is the power of a teacher who doesn't center themselves, Mm -hmm. right? A teacher who says, hey, this is a door of self-actualization, and I invite you to walk through it and be your whole self, Mm -hmm. regardless to who I am. I don't have to be a Hispanic teacher to empower my Hispanic students. Exactly. Right. And I, I think that teaches us how we can be with all of our students, right? We don't yes. have to Absolutely. push our students to conform to a culture of dominance. Right. Right. Or a standard, because really, then you're just stripping away mm-hmm. that personal expression. And I think that is something that I, that we learned from Jamie Jacobson was that 
if creative expression dance is for everybody, mm-hmm. right. then we need to be open to all forms of creative expression. Yes. All forms mm-hmm. of movement. So I think that's so beautiful. Absolutely. I love that. I love Oh my goodness. And Maria, we can't forget the uh, Tina Cambor dance. Oh, we got to listen. All, we all uh, represented our different. Man. <sighs> Would you like to speak on that, Maria? Yeah. <laughs> Give us a quick synopsis. So Tina Cambor facilitated dance where she asked us to share stories about when we were different. Mm-hmm. So you told stereotypes. the Stereotypes. Yes, stereotypes. Thank you so much. Uh, Yukari told a story about how everyone asked her what kind of Asian she is. Mm-hmm. She's Japanese. Mm-hmm. Um, you told a story about how you were peacefully eating breakfast and mm-hmm. speaking Spanish with your family and like somebody was... Assumed we couldn't speak English. Right. Yeah. So. I told my coming to America story <laughs> from the Philippines. And yeah, we, we got to storytell mm-hmm. through like vocals like mm-hmm. storytelling mm-hmm. or oral storytelling as well as through movement and mm-hmm. it's interesting so we watched that dance at a professional development right before covid and i burst into tears <laughs> she did man <laughs> because i was watching the video and the girl who was in the video is a very different girl than who i am today right because right. the girl <laughs> where's my napkin The girl in the video still was this, like, I have to be American, whatever that means. And now, as an adult, I'm like, oh, I have all this self-healing to do because I have choked out the part of me that is a brown islander from the other side of the world who speaks a different language. And none of those things became acceptable in my mind, body, heart, soul, household mm-hmm. <laughs> until like yesterday. Mm-hmm. So now I'm like wow. in this like very like, I have to decolonize myself <laughs> <laughs> because it, it's culture of dominance. I, every part of me that was, I am mixed. My dad is white and my mom is Filipino. And every part of me that is white I was like, this is my superior side. This is my smarter side. This is Mm -hmm. my successful side because of society and all that, right? Now I'm like, oh, that's a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm uh, I'm in uh, advanced beginner Tagalog class. Mm -hmm. Um, I text my mom in Tagalog almost every day. My class is on Wednesday nights and then kind of like goes downhill from there Mm because it's a late night. But, and I am learning, I'm working, I'm actively working on learning pre-colonial Filipino history on my own because that's not really a thing here in the Midwest. Right. Uh, When Filipinos come to the U.S., they typically go to like California. (laughs) So I'm like by myself out here. Good for you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for asking or, you know, inviting me to share. Yeah. Yeah, and so I think the way all of this is connecting in a way that we're all sharing this about, you know, feeling comfortable in our skin and how do we celebrate Hispanic Heritage Month or, for that matter, any of these, you know, cultural months, Mm -hmm. um, is that, you know, ask students their story. Yes. And if they don't know that, that, start giving them some guidance on how they can start digging for it. 
And it doesn't have to be Hispanic heritage much no. to do that. You could do it no. any Low. part of the year. Like it was everyone's daily practice. That yes. is literally the next part of the that question. You're and, right. And then have them tell their story. Not Maybe not all of them are comfortable saying it certain mm-hmm. ways. Maybe they write it. Maybe they build a phrase, dance phrase off of it. Yes. Um, And then, you know, evolve from there. I also let my students, well, something beautiful is happening in Capitol Hill, I will share with you. And that is that our student teacher is learning a phrase in Spanish almost every day. Mm -hmm. And she is speaking it with the students and she is, you know, practicing it and they love it. Oh, that's so beautiful. They love it. And they go to her and they're ready to teach her the next phrase. Nice. And so they're they're starting to to feel like, oh wow, this young lady is this young educator's really taking interest Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. my language. Yeah. And me as a human. Yeah. I'm a whole human. Yeah. yeah. I'm not just a robot who makes shapes for you on demand. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And I think from the teacher point is in my flamenco class, I'm getting to speak Spanish to my kids. Yes. Not only do I get to practice my Spanish, but mm-hmm. my kids who are obviously not of Hispanic Latin X descent are totally loving it on the Same. opposite flip. And they're just like, speak some more. And they try to really guess with my context clues and gestures mm-hmm. what I'm saying. And I mean, they really are invested. That's so wonderful. And in, in, in I feel like I get to share who I am with my students and that I don't have to be a certain way, even though it's class or right. whatever, mm-hmm. you know, label they have on our school of, you right. know, we only are a certain way. I think class and kids are really open to getting mm-hmm. to know people for who they are and, um, including the adults. And I feel very safe and open with them to be Hispanic there and to get to speak Spanish and them like it. You know, I think it's a real special connection that we have in that class. So on both sides. And then you start, then you can start, and it doesn't have to be Hispanic Heritage Month. Mm -hmm. You start introducing them to the stories of Hispanics doing these wonderful things in the world absolutely Mm -hmm. these you know important big names Mm -hmm. um and and what they're doing and i always connect it to that person's story yeah let's learn about their story here Mm -hmm. and then let's you know go from there and that's what it looks like for me in the classroom. Mm-hmm. That's what it looks like for me with my children at home. And that's what it looks like for me as, you know, an adult who's a daughter and um, a tia, an auntie, um, you know, and tell me a story. Tell me the story. I want to know, Mom. Mm-hmm. How did this come about? You know? Yeah. And we're lucky we're just talking about the dance aspect of that storytelling. And then you can bring in foods and right. then you can bring in the music and then mm-hmm. you can bring in the attire and then you can, I mean, there's just so much to everyone's culture, like on the daily that you can just layer upon layer that just makes it so interesting to everyone. And, and in some way you see how we're really all connected. Yes. In the end, it's like, Oh, that's like that. Well, this is like this. And it's just kind of amazing. Truly. Yeah. 
I love that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So what would it look like if we honored Hispanic culture outside of the month? Yes. Right? Like if it was yeah. the daily practice, mm-hmm. I feel like we kind of roll into that. Yes. It's yeah. storytelling. Right. Yeah. So what's Sonia, uh, you know, Mayor's? Soto Mayor story. Yes. Mm-hmm. The Supreme Court justice. Right. Yes. Let's talk about her story. Absolutely. And then it's like, oh. And so that's why, that's for me what it looks like to branch that out. Mm-hmm. And I that's think it, the connection starts with, with our students first. Mm-hmm. You know. Their identity. Their identity. Yeah. And I know that's real deep. And we can't do that all in one, but it can start small. Yeah. And branch out for there. Give them guiding questions to contemplate, for sure. Absolutely. I love that. Yeah. How can education support, honor, and value the Hispanic community and students? You know, I think, I wish I remembered the number. It was just on the news the other day um, about how many Oklahoma local businesses are owned by Hispanic yes. Latin uh, people here. Mm-hmm. And I think that is just amazing. I don't think that was even close to that number 10 years ago. No. And in just a short amount of time, the things that the Hispanic community is doing in Oklahoma is just phenomenal. And I think the way we honor that is that we keep these people open and we keep them alive and we let the businesses grow and they truly need our support they truly need you know us just representing and helping and performing and whatever we can do um, going shopping and purchasing their things or their merchandise if that's what they do hiring them for shows I mean Mm -hmm. I think having them as guest artists getting them in the schools just I think that's a small part that we could do yeah, I totally agree. You know, they just had, I believe it was last yesterday or maybe day before, the 31st annual, what was it, Latino Agency Awards. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was packed with Oklahoma. 31 Lat- years? 31 years. Wow. Of Latinos and what they do for our community mm-hmm. and who they are in our community. Mm-hmm. And so I think Erica's absolutely right. Um, I think also just honoring, you know, being able to speak your language Mm -hmm. when needed and not, not just when needed freely. Yes. Mm -hmm. Not having fear of that Mm -hmm. is very, very important. Honors them as honors us as Mm -hmm. human beings when we are able to speak in our native tongue. Yeah. And also give forgiveness when those of us Chicanas speak Spanglish. Yes, (laughs) Yes, please. <laughs> yes. I'm going to just say it. No, really. And know that, yeah, we're, we're and we are an evolving culture. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I just put this on my Facebook, turning 43 yesterday. Mm-hmm. One of my it. big fears, I'm never, I'm Mexican-American. And Selena said it best on her movie. Mm-hmm. Relate to her completely. Or was it her dad? That her dad in it? a van. Her yeah. dad in a van. Yeah. You're never, will never be Mexican enough for the Mexicans and will never be American enough for the Americans. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I also come, my, my father is a Caucasian white man mm-hmm. who loved brown Mexican women with long hair. 
<laughs> and he found one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So and my mom's half. Yeah. She's half Caucasian, half Mexican, and my dad is full, one hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we we're equally we're all that mix in this yes. in this show right now that we understand that completely. For sure. Yeah. You have to be both. You have to understand both. I just think that makes you more unique, more special. I guess I want to say that. I feel connected as well. Yeah. Right. You you, you can swim in whatever sea of mm-hmm. culture mm-hmm. that you are immersed in. Right. When you are knowledgeable mm-hmm. and aware of where you came from and willing to learn i mean sometimes we don't know everything i don't know everything that i should probably know about all my people and all my sides but i'm definitely always open to learning and always want to be aware and and i do too Mm -hmm. and what helps me open the door to that is asking you know puerto rican people Mm -hmm. about their stories Mm -hmm. yeah I want to know. Absolutely. Culture me. Enlighten me. Teach me. Yes. For sure. Yeah. I love that. But sometimes we can have our... And I think we make say that that way because sometimes it feels like we might have these barriers mm-hmm. of like we can't share these things or don't want to share these things. But I see those walls slowly softening. Right. And you might encounter that. That might encounter in your, you know, as you're going through Hispanic Heritage Mm -hmm. Month or all through the year. Yeah. These barriers. I don't. Oh, yes. What are the purposes of the barriers? Like, I think it's more of a protection thing. Yeah. I think it always, no matter what kind of situation in any kind of culture or any, I think you're always trying to protect, you know, just like your family or Mm -hmm. your, Mm -hmm. your community. I've struggled with that you know growing up in the dance form that I learned flamenco you know I for the longest time did not feel worthy of performing a dance form that I did not think I was bloodlined connected to I don't know I just felt very awkward about that my whole life and some people you know would say yeah you're not gypsy you're not from Spain you're not from Sevilla, you're not one of these places, mm-hmm. and you shouldn't be doing this, you know? Mm. That, I mean, no one's ever said that to my face, but as dancers, you know when you feel it. You know yeah, when I, you see it, right. you know? But I, I promised myself to be a, the best student, always respecting it, always learning from it, always saying I am not claiming to be mm-hmm. part of this, rooted from this, but I... I am in love with this, and I love it, and I promise to bring it the utmost respect when I do dance Mm -hmm. it. And I think Ruben Romero from New Mexico, he was a big mentor for me, and he he was the person that told me, he was like, you have it in your soul. Yes. You have it, and you should never feel ashamed. It's in your genes. And I was like, wow. And just recently, like three years ago, we found out that over 30% of Spanish oh. blood. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I'm counting it. Yeah. Okay, credentials. Yeah. Check marked. <laughs> right. And it's not that that makes me feel better, but I just, like I said before, I knew that I have it. I knew that it was in me somehow. It was real special. So. I think too, and this, I'm becoming more proud of sharing this than I am scared. 
Um, my husband is a first generation immigrant mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. the United States. He has a very incredible story um, that I've, I, I don't know if this is for sure official, but I might be, be on a panel sharing some of our story of having a husband who has his, his story about how he got to this country and mm -hmm. why mm -hmm. and what that looks like for my children yeah, and what that looked like for my children um, in school when he was just a resident right. and not a citizen mm -hmm. and what that looked like for me when I was dating him oh, yeah. and what has to be protected mm -hmm. to make sure that everybody is safe Absolutely. Because something might happen to a loved one if anybody finds out. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, you know, I've talked to Marcos about it. So Marcos, love you. Thank you for allowing me to mm -hmm. open up on a part of your story that's not mine, that's yours. But the way it's mine is that, you know, I was with him um, through a lot of those moments mm -hmm. as a dance partner, watching yeah. him go to public school for the first time. I didn't watch him, but I was his dance partner. Mm-hmm. You know, in ways I think dance, I know dance also saved my husband. Yeah. Um, his mother wanted him to be a part of his culture here in the United States. And she found a group that she felt like was a safe place to put him, was yeah. safe. Um, nobody was going to question it. Um, and, you know, and then it went on to when, you know, we we got married and and what that looked like and you know how it it's still you know people have these assumptions that things happen very quickly mm -hmm. and all of a sudden you got married and you're a citizen that's not always how that works and then what that looked like when i had kids yeah and it that you know it still wasn't totally the deal wasn't totally sealed yeah. and questions that my own children were asking how come I can be a part of this country and I belong here, but my dad doesn't. Yeah. Now, it's hard for me to open up about that. Mm -hmm. But if you're listening to this podcast, I want you to know that that's a real fear. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And it's, it's taught protection. Mm -hmm. Don't talk too much. Right. Mm -hmm. We have to stay safe. Mm hmm you know, yeah. we worked really hard to get here because we want better. We right. want the American dream Absolutely. or what has been what we see right. as the American dream. Yeah. You know, the opportunity to expand. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think from all that, I think uh, we've really opened up and people still are very protective, but I think they're starting to let they want to collaborate they mm -hmm. want to fuse they i mean i in the last this this is probably the most involved hispanic heritage month just via social media that i have seen open and people our people are are much braver now i think yes. are much more confident mm -hmm. um because they know they have to rely on each other they have to lean on each other mm -hmm. and they can only make a big impact in a positive way if they do that that way Right. And I think we're starting to figure that out. And I'm real proud of us. I'm really proud of the community um, and all the festivals happening and yes. all of the awards being handed out and 
all everyone having a chance to perform and collaborating mm-hmm. and and all of the Latinx Hispanic community in Oklahoma coming together and saying yeah it's time it's time to share this together yeah you know Colombian dance with Mexican folklorico mm-hmm. with you know flamenco mm-hmm. it, it's time to start sharing it collectively together as a community So if, you know, you have the chance or your students are telling your students about it and your families, you know, I know Fiestas de las Americas is October 1st. Oh, yeah. One of the really big Hispanic heritage Latinx fiestas that happens, you know, and there's all kinds of things going on. Um, I'm not on the board or anything, but I know you can get on social media and it's just jam-packed. With events for that day. Yeah, I hear about it every year. So I, what advice I would totally tell teachers too, if you can't plan because it's a lot of work to plan yeah. field trips. I know. I know. To one of these community events. I mean, that, I think that's the always the best way to teach is to do. Then have someone come into your classroom. Yeah. You know, or start with the storytelling in your classroom. Mm-hmm. And see where that takes your class. I think teachers would be really surprised if they take out the time to do that. That reminds me, last year for Hispanic Heritage Month, I did one state of Mexico each week. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I remember that. Yes, and one week we did Sinaloa. Mm-hmm. I got this like essay. You only have to write five complete sentences. And <laughs> <laughs> she like went to town just saying like, I adore this video. It gives me so much pride. I feel so uplifted watching this video of this Mexican folklorico dancer from Sinaloa. Mm-hmm. And I just feel I my body is celebrating watching, yes. doing this assignment. So absolutely. I have a large population of students from Mexico. Uh-huh. I didn't know how excited they would be to see a piece of themselves in the classroom. Mm -hmm. So you're right. Teachers will be surprised. Yeah. Yeah. And thank you, Maria. Thank you for doing that. And, uh, you know, venturing out and having the courage to say, I know I'm not a Hispanic woman, but I can also reach out to these students and, and show them this part of what what I've done on the studies on this because mm-hmm. I know you you really went way out of your way you connected <laughs> with me and then right there yeah you opened up a, to- a, a door you opened oh, up a huge door yes. and then that connection I don't know if if you saw this happen but because of that connection they want to work for you in a different way they yeah. did yes you're so right yeah they, it was a new layer of investment that's mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and you earned their trust yes mm-hmm. That's huge. Yes. Definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And on the flip side, Maria, I uh, hearing your your journey of you c- connecting with your Philippine side. Um, I have a student, and her mom. I'm gonna give a shout out to Miss Bay. Um, oh yes. You know, I feel through you. I've learned so much that I felt confident enough to open myself to say, you know, to her daughter and, and to the mom, oh, well, do you speak, you know, say it for me one more time, Tagalog? Tagalog? Yes. And I said Tagalog, and they were like, you know? 
a language of art, you know, and they're like, well, we speak the other... Ilocano, Visayan, okay, yes. Papanga. Thank you. Si. Yes. Ah. Yes. So, I mean, that just opened up a whole, like, d- communication and trust. Yay. And then, you know, Miss Faye will cook for you, and mm-hmm. I will eat... And it is delicious. So I have also All the learned pan-sit dishes. And adobo. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And you know, and I Lumpia. just think that's incredible to even feel that way of connecting. And I wouldn't have even known these words had it not been through my oh, Filipino yeah. friend. Yes. Hey. So happy to be of service. Yes. <laughs> thank you for connecting now me I to want families. To learn. Yeah. We're gonna mm-hmm. book. Mm-hmm. Yes. Monthly, mm-hmm. weekly, maybe. I'm I, I want to hear the stories now. Yes. I want to know your stories, Marie. Oh, man. <laughs> I've been getting a story a week. I'm actually Marie. writing a memoir. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> no, it's incredible. Her stories are incredible. They really are. I know they are. I forced Erica. And I mean that Erica was genuinely walking. that I do want to hear them sometime. Mm-hmm. She, I was, she was like, oh, Erica, you're walking in the summer. I'm coming to walk with mm-hmm. you. And we did. We exercised and and told each well, other dang, stories. I just got left out, didn't I? That's okay. No, this was before your surgery. Yes. Oh, oh you weren't look, allowed. They already look, look, podcast <laughs> listeners. See, we knew you weren't allowed. <laughs> no. But and if we invited you, then you wouldn't like say no. Yeah. Okay. And then you would. Look, the they got it all covered. They have it all covered. So you know what? And, I'm you know, right. it really that. took. I think for Maria. Because she's getting, she's now new to the learning her culture mm-hmm. life. That it took her a minute to trust even people close to her. Yeah. To even share oh, yes. her story. I was so scared. Yeah. To tell anybody anything. It's scary because protecting yeah. her story. Yeah. You're, you're so right. Full circle yes. on that point. Thank you. That's right. <laughs> See? Oh, Lord. Deep, <laughs> deep stuff. So, yeah. Hispanic Heritage Month, people. It'll change you. It will. Yes. <laughs> Sincerely. <laughs> the stories, I'm telling you. <laughs> so, Adelita, every time you're on the podcast, which is, this is not your last time. I oh, want you to know that. I'm glad I have passed the podcast. Yes. So, every time you're on the podcast, you get to tell teachers, like, a nugget of advice, like, something to get them through this week. So, I'm going to let you marinate on that. Okay, thank Because Erica's been here. I need to marinate. On that. This is my second time in the podcast. So oh, you get okay. to go first. She's okay. keeping score. I just want to let you podcast <laughs> listeners know. We have our own Very little competitive. secret. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all right. Tomorrow's Friday. Tomorrow is Friday. So let's just be happy that Thank, tomorrow's Friday. Thankfully, it um, is Friday. There is two weeks before fall break. Yes. Okay, I'm going to just say these numbers to you people. Teachers, <sighs> educators, administrators, faculty and staff. You can do this. We can do this. And, you know, the kids truly love us and they truly need us. And I think if we take the time to really get to know them now, I think in the school year, this is the perfect time because Mm -hmm. we've been in school Mm -hmm. August, almost September. Mm -hmm. I think if you did it too early, it wouldn't have worked. I think if you do it too late, you've already missed the chance. Mm -hmm. I think teachers, now is the time. This is the perfect time. It's family, you know, the holidays are coming up, things are coming, and this is the time to know the identity of your students. Yes. So yep. I challenge you to do that. Yes. I like that. Yeah. It's a good challenge. Good. Adelita, did you marinate? I did. Yeah. What's our nugget of advice? I think we all do this, and it's just the big, you know, inhale, exhale. 
especially right before you're going to say something that you regret mm. and maybe not regret feel icky about you feel icky thank you mm-hmm. and on that inhale exhale truly remember they are kids yes mm-hmm. i have had to tell myself that a lot this week absolutely mm-hmm. and i've reminded my students whether you want to hear this or not you are kids yeah mm-hmm. and that's actually really wonderful and amazing Mm-hmm. Be kids. Be kids. And I have to remember, I I just have to, I, this is still a child in front of me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I collectively inhale and exhale every time I say something five times. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because teen- the sixth time, ooh. Yes. Because. Watch out for the sixth time. I know. <laughs> I think you lose it way sooner than that. Yours is actually four. <laughs> <laughs> These are all facts. (laughs) Yes. But, yeah, they're kids. And so we just have to remember that. And the teenagers? The kiddest of them all. They Mm -hmm. are. They think they're adults. Mm -hmm. I know they're transitioning to Mm -hmm. their young little adult lives. Mm -hmm. But they need our guidance Mm -hmm. so much Mm -hmm. on the daily. And connected with all our storytelling, you are part teachers. You are part of their village absolutely you are part of their village yes and so as a mother myself i will tell you i really appreciate the educators i have and the village i have guiding my teenager right now Mm. he's a kid yeah so thank you village yay village thank you village (laughs) thank you village Thank you, host. Thank you. (laughs) I really loved having you on the podcast. And just know that you also get to come be Mexican-American women on the podcast outside of Hispanic Heritage Month. Yes. Oh, we live it every day. Yes, you do. For two Hispanics and a Filipino. Yeah. What were we calling this? Uh, Two two Mexicans and an Asian. Yeah. Two Mexicans. (laughs) Yeah. I have a few points of reflection after listening to this episode while I was editing. One, Adelita and Erica grew up watching people get work done in the community, so they followed suit. They didn't just wake up one morning and go, oh, I'm going to do community outreach. So I really think that that gives a clear illustration of how children are watching us. So if you are an adult who is actively participating and the children around you see that you are participating, they too will mimic what they see. I know I had to work through my insecurities when I was a young teacher early in my career and my insecurities were always wrapped up in why I haven't achieved the level of greatness that Adelita and Erica had. But now that I know their history, They didn't really have a choice but to be great because that's what their elders did to guide them and lead the way in community outreach. Also, shout out to Hope Alvarez, Adelita's mom. When I was a young teacher, she was one of the few principals in those early years that really spoke encouragement to me. And that's not to say that nobody ever said uplifting words to me, but there's something different about Miss Alvarez. When she would speak to me, I felt a different kind of sincerity, a different kind of empowerment. And I never really understood what that was 
until maybe now listening to Adelita talk about the work that her mom did. And I'm just really thankful that Hope Alvarez saw something in me that she was willing to encourage me in such an authentic way. Also, Hope Alvarez instilled an inner knowing for Adelita to utilize in her life and classroom to empower others to become self-aware of their roots and provide authentic connection. And I think that that's what it was for me. Miss Alvarez encouraged me in a manner that was rooted to her own value system of becoming aware of yourself. I consciously met Erica for the first time at the UCO dance audition back in, what was it, 2007? And I remember her walking in to do flamenco. I was like, oh, you're doing a flamenco solo? She's like, yeah, that's what I do. I'm like, oh, that's really cool. And it's so interesting listening to Erica talk about her insecurities surrounding doing that flamenco solo at UCO and this idea that they might think that she doesn't have technique And it's so wild that even within ourselves, our own colonial mentality, that we are concerned that if we were to do a creative expression that is not a part of the culture of dominance, we might get targeted or thought as less than or inferior because you don't have the technique of someone who trains in a kind of movement or expression that is part of the culture of dominance. I love the point that Adelita made that Jamie Jacobson saw that inviting Adelita and others to share their creative expression, it only brought more to the dance program. Because I think oftentimes in anywhere in the world, whenever there's something different than what we're used to, there's a fear that that thing that is different is going to take away from what we already do. And that's such a scarcity mindset that is harmful, not only to that person who has that different kind of expression, but also to you and your community who is getting cut off from the abundance that the world is. When we recorded this episode, it was Thursday and it was the day before the Mercury Kazemi. Mercury is the planet of technology and communication. And a Kazemi is when a planet is at zero degrees in relationship to the sun. This is when a planet has a solar bath. It's refreshing. It's clarifying. And Friday morning, I was thinking about the conversation about the dance called Listen, facilitated by Tina Cambor at UCO and sharing my story about feeling inferior because I was sharing my Filipino side. And Friday morning, I was taking a shower and I actually started to cry because I had a very clear, concise memory. When I became more aware of this need to decolonize and I finally opened up to Erica about it that one summer when she was walking every morning. I shared with her that I remember stuttering through the Tagalog that I was speaking in this dance piece called Listen. And I remember feeling embarrassed and everybody was like, why can't you just say these numbers in Tagalog? This is so weird. But I remember my chest being tight and my throat being tight and something deep inside of me was 
feeling ashamed. My body was, I didn't know I was feeling ashamed, but in reflection, I now see that my body felt ashamed to speak Tagalog. So it was very interesting to be reminded that that happened and how far I've come in this journey of decolonizing myself. This past week, I have been asking my students to care for me by coming in and hearing what I have to say and participating in my exercises that I'm sharing with them. And when I think about that, it's not necessarily that I am trying to force the children to be compliant, but it's this idea that teaching and learning is a communal activity. So when Adelita was talking about the student teacher coming in and asking the students to teach her a new phrase in Spanish, yes, she is the student teacher who is sharing her expertise in dance with the students, but she is also acknowledging that the students are teachers for her because this is a communal event. And just like Erica getting to practice her Spanish with her students when she is teaching flamenco at class in at Northeast, And the students are caring for her because they're like, please speak more. We want to hear you speak these instructions in Spanish so that we can practice listening. Like that is such a beautiful kind of care that happens inside of the classroom when everyone participating, everyone involved in teaching and learning share that energy to progress forward. I think Erica made a very important point about how to show up for the Hispanic community is by supporting their work. They are providing a variety of services. And even if it's simply to expose your students to something new or different, or maybe provide your students something that validates their identity, hiring a guest artist to come in and teach Hispanic works could be one of the most powerful ways a dance teacher could utilize their resources to uplift the Hispanic community. The part where Adelita and I were sharing the work that I did last sem, well, this semester, I'm focused on different countries to do critical response over. Last year, I focused on a different state of Mexico each week. That work did require me to do some research, but I want to remind us that authentic lessons require time and effort, but the investment is so worth the outcome. So taking the time to connect to the community, ask questions, Google vocabulary words to help you articulate and understand We have so much information that is available to us. We just need to be willing to seek it out so that we can develop meaningful, authentic lessons for our students to see themselves in the classroom. I think initially I just wanted my Spanish-speaking students to feel safe and welcomed in the classroom. And I also thought that I was just providing students who were not Hispanic, the opportunity to be exposed to Hispanic culture. But that biggest investment that I got back from my critical response over the different states of Mexico was really the trust I earned from those Hispanic students, the Spanish-speaking students who just felt honored to be included. So definitely take the time to develop a meaningful lesson that invites your students to 
to be connected to the work. I'm so thankful Adelita and Erica came on the podcast. Not only were they fun to work with, but they were open and vulnerable to talk about their own struggles that they have navigated with flamenco and folklorico that I hope that we can all be inspired by them to continue to find our own authentic voice. I also am very thankful that they shared the impact of my work on them, whether it was being a risk taker or knowing the word Tagalog to ask their student what language they spoke from the Philippines. I invite you to also share how this work might have impacted you. So if you would be so kind to leave a review about the podcast, or if you would reach out to me on Instagram at mkgmoves or email me at mkgteaches at gmail.com and let me know how this information, whether it's this episode or past episodes, has empowered you in the classroom, I would greatly appreciate it. That's all for now. Until next time, take care.